Hi, Terrell Road Bible Chapel. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening on our social and media platforms. We know that it might be difficult to get together right now, but we're going to do our very best to stay connected. So grab a cup of coffee, maybe a comfy chair, and open your Bible, and let's dive into today's message. I would like to begin this morning by reading to you a description of a joyous celebration that happened thousands of years ago. It happened at night among a group of shepherds huddled together in the dark fields surrounding the Jewish town of Bethlehem. This account is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Needless to say, this was frightening. Perhaps they were gathered around a small fire, and then, bang, a huge bright lightness shining all around them with a glorious creature in their midst. But it turned out that the creature was not to be feared. He was just a messenger with some fabulous news. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then if that wasn't sufficiently amazing and otherworldly, the situation got even crazier, with many more fellow messengers joining the first one. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. How I would have loved to be there when heaven itself was celebrating the birth of Jesus. How did the shepherds react? We don't know much. All we are given is this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. It seems their initial fear turned to wonder, with an urgent desire to be present at the actual event the messengers had described to them. And when they witnessed it exactly as they had been told, they couldn't help telling everyone they saw about what they had been part of. What an event. We might say that this was the second greatest event in the entire history of the planet. We will get to the greatest a little later. It was an event of such magnitude and of such great joy that it caused a resounding heavenly celebration to which those lowly but lucky shepherds were witnesses. Heaven celebrated at the birth of the promised Savior. 
Since the middle of February, we've been doing a series of sermons on body life. These have been focused on various aspects of the Christian life, and particularly how those aspects impact the way we act in relation to one another as a body of God's children. It is perhaps ironic that the novel coronavirus pandemic has interrupted our series and kept us apart for most of it, making it harder to put into practice the lessons we have been learning. But thanks to the technology of the age we live in, we have found ways to stay in touch and even to continue with our series. Just to review, we have looked at affirmation, unity, forgiveness, bearing burdens, and encouraging. In each case, we have seen how these inform the way we interact with each other, both when we are all together and when we see each other in smaller groupings. Today, we will complete our series by considering celebration in our body life, an upbeat subject during a downbeat time for sure. The early church, we are told in Acts 2.42, busied themselves with four main activities, teaching, fellowship, worship, and prayer. Celebration would certainly fall mostly in the second category, fellowship. Notice that in Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves to these activities. They actively pursued them, as should we. Indeed, throughout history, the church has actively celebrated in a number of ways, as we shall shortly see. So let's begin with a definition of celebration. One dictionary defines celebrate this way, the action of marking one's pleasure at an important event or occasion by engaging in enjoyable, typically social activity. This is a pretty good definition. It tells us that a celebration is, is a marker for a specific event. Uh, it's a cause for joy and it's a social activity. If we compare this definition to the birth celebration of Jesus, we see that it fits pretty well. The heavenly host was marking a grand event. It was a great cause for joy and both the angels and subsequently the shepherds were actively engaged in the activity. Notice that although joy is associated with a celebration, joy and celebration are not exactly the same thing. An ongoing steady joy is likely what Paul has in mind when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. What we are talking about today is what we might call a joy spike. It is a special moment in our lives when our joy peaks due to something specific happening and causing us to share that joy with others. So what are the things that cause a joy spike in our lives? This varies from person to person, of course. Just speaking in an earthly way to begin with, joy spikes could be caused by our favorite sports team winning, uh, achieving a hole in one during a golf match, receiving an unexpected inheritance, the birth of a child, graduation from college, a wedding, and so on. 
In each of these examples, the joy spike is somewhat diminished if there was no one to share the joy with. Each marks a specific event, each is a cause for joy, and each typically involves an activity of some sort. Shouting for joy, tears of joy, a party, dinner at a restaurant, etc. The events we have mentioned are infrequent, but there are other events that we celebrate repeatedly, often on an annual basis, such as birthdays and anniversaries. But now we must ask whether there is anything special about the Christians' celebrations. After all, all of our examples so far are common to all people, Christians and non-Christians alike. And of course, the answer is a resounding yes. To begin with, we Christians choose to celebrate annually with those same shepherds we read about earlier. We celebrate the birth of Jesus as the most profound miracle of all, God coming in the flesh. The Christmas season has been terribly polluted in modern times to the point that its meaning is almost unrecognizable, but we can see through that to discover its true center in the Incarnation. For the Christian, then, Christmas can be an annual time of deep and overflowing joy because of Emmanuel, God with us. And then we celebrate annually the resurrection of Jesus on the third day after he was crucified. This glorious event is the foundation of all of our hope for the future. In the context of Paul's longest discussion of Jesus' resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this in verses 51 through 55. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Wow, no wonder we celebrate. Both of these events, the Incarnation and the Resurrection, are infinitely more significant than our earlier examples of earthly celebrations. It is perhaps sad that we only put their celebration on our calendars once per year. But now we come to the Holy of Holies in our repertoire of celebrations, namely Communion. Communion is what we do in imitation of what happened at Jesus' Passover meal, with his 12 disciples the night before he was crucified. Paul tells it this way in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. The Lord Jesus, <clears throat> on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here at Torah Road, we do this once per week on Sunday. We sometimes refer to it by saying we are celebrating the Lord's Supper. But in light of what we've been saying about celebrations, it seems perhaps to be a misplaced description. After all, we are proclaiming the Lord's death, as Paul says. How can a death be celebrated? While it is certainly true that the death of Christ by crucifixion was a horrific event, it is also true that there is something to celebrate, namely what that death accomplished. <clears throat> when we celebrate a sports victory or a college graduation, we are joyful at what was accomplished, even though it was likely accomplished with great deal of labor and maybe even pain. So it is with the death of Jesus, the agonizing ordeal he went through on the day he was crucified led to the greatest accomplishment in history by far. And what was that accomplishment? Through this single solitary act, the Lord Jesus Christ created a way for people eternally separated from their creator to be eternally reconciled to him. That's what I'm celebrating when I proclaim the Lord's death. Simply put, it's my salvation. All the other things we celebrate in our lives pale in comparison to this. That's not to say we shouldn't continue to celebrate those other things. In fact, quite the opposite is true. As joyful Christians, we should fully enjoy and celebrate the wonderful things that God puts into our lives. But let us keep our perspective clear by acknowledging that the greatest thing we can celebrate is the accomplishment of Christ on the cross. I would like to close by reading from Revelation 5. There we read what can possibly be described as the greatest celebration in the history of the universe, with hundreds of millions of people at the party. And what they are celebrating is just exactly what we celebrate when we do communion together. Listen to the words of John. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory 
and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down. Thanks so much for listening. We pray that you were encouraged and blessed by that message. You can connect with us at trbc.us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram.